Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church, and over the last several months, a majority of 2022, our church walked through the book of Romans, leaning in, not necessarily verse by verse, but chapter by chapter, thought by thought, unpacking this masterpiece by Paul to the believers in Rome. And as we journeyed through this series, we realized that we we would need to take months and months, if not years and years, to unpack all the things that are in this amazing letter. And so as we finished up this series, we decided that we would do a special edition of our podcast called Romans Revisited, where we would sit down and have a conversation, diving a little bit deeper into things we did talk about and maybe covering some things that got left on the table as we walked through the letter. So joining me to have this conversation in Romans Revisited is our discipleship pastor, Jasmine Denton. Jasmine. Hello. Hello. Hi. What's up? How are you? I'm good. Actually, I am really good. Yeah. (laughs) So you said that with like meaning this time. Well, sometimes you do. I mean, we all. We all always say, oh, I'm good. I'm good. When you're really not. But it's like, no, like I really am. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you ready to dive back into Romans once again this week? Go. So we really didn't have a clue what this was going to be like, but we, and you and I both kind of discussed, hey, there's a lot of meat left on the table and what do we do about it? Right. And even as we've been walking through, this is now episode three of Romans Revisited. Yeah. And it's been somewhat what I thought it would be and somewhat in many ways, like everything, not quite what I expected. Uh Um, But that's the good thing about life. Sometimes it hits what you expected and sometimes it's different or beyond and that's okay. Okay. Well then I'll ask that question. What are some things you expected that we would talk about that we didn't? I don't know. Oh. I I don't know what, you know me, like I'm, (laughs) it's not that I'm not a planner, but I'm very much, let's just go. Yeah. Throw Uh me in. I'm ready. Like I, I try to live my life in such a way where I'm in the word constantly, I'm doing the things and I'm prepared so that when moments arise, I'm ready to go. But I'm not a good like, all right, let's sit down, prepare, let's plan this out. We're going to talk about this at this point. I'm just very much, and and I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh It's just me. It's just you. You know me. Like you're much more of like, all right, let's, let's, let's lay it all out. Oh yeah, man. Let's just roll. Let's just go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because then when you say it's not what I expected, then I'm like, well, what, what was the expectation then that, yeah. I'll rephrase. You know. Okay. Um, I try to go into a lot of things with very little expectations. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and not in a bad way. Not that like, like I don't expect this is going to be good. Right, not a like low that. bar. No, but it's like. You're open-handed. Let's go. Yeah, let's, yeah. See, where the, let's see where this goes. Uh, okay. Let's have some spontaneity and let's mm-hmm. just let, and I know that that's, that can I go sideways. I planned but, spontaneity. <laughs> It's like, let's see where the spirit leads. And I know like that can be a crutch. It can be. In yeah. a way that's not good. Yeah, um, but I also think this is a space that that reliance on the spirit is good. Yeah. I don't want to, I mean, maybe this is heretical. I don't know. I don't know that I want to to go to church on Sundays and you stand up and welcome everybody and be like, hey, y'all, we don't have a thing planned <laughs> We are just, just going to see, see what, what the spirit does. <laughs> Who has a testimony today? Exactly. I think, I mean, I think about the discomfort right, that right. that would bring people. Yeah, yeah. I think about, you know, the person in the room who doesn't know Jesus, mm. the person who like you say, Holy Spirit, and they're thinking, wait, are we going to have a seance? Like yeah, what is getting yeah, ready to happen? Yeah. Um, that Or they say the Holy Ghost and that brings that a whole, oh, whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ask for the Holy Ghost. And I'm walking in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, uh, 
I love what we do on Sundays. And to me, that's not the place to say, like, let's just see what the Spirit does. Right, right. Um, but, you know. Even in my, you know, and, and man, again, this podcast oh, is going. I love you know, it. You know me and my preaching. Like, I don't come, I don't. I know you don't. I, I don't, I'm not a man. Somebody asked me the other day is, you know, can I see your manuscript from such and such sermon? <laughs> I said, maybe that we could transcribe one from the, one of the podcasts. From the podcast, yeah. But. Yeah. And it's not that I'm not prepared. No. You know me well enough to know. know. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time reading, praying. So even mm-hmm. before we came in here, yes. you know, I was unpacking to you, which I do that with Jasmine a lot. I'll say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Am I am I way, way off. off scripture here? Because right. and especially when, uh, and it's not, I don't think I've ever said anything new. What I do think, you mean? I don't think any preacher, I don't, I don't, I think at this point in the history of Christianity, if as a preacher, We've you think you've the- cornered the market and you've said something mm. that nobody has ever said in the right. history of Christianity, that's I, a super arrogant thing to say. I absolutely um, agree. And that's why when people say like, I'm still in that for you, I'm like, dude, you're not still anything for me because I'm sure, sure that it came I heard else. that yeah. somewhere else. It's, yeah. you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, but, you know, when I get up to preach or anyway, before we were talking, like when mm-hmm. I was saying that, you know, here's. I've never really heard this preached. Yes. Um, and I've actually preached it a different way before. Right. But as I've been leaning into what we're preparing to preach this Sunday, there are some things that that God is is reteaching me and mm-hmm. some new light being mm-hmm. shed in the space. And it's like, this is what if what if it's this? And there's a lot of stories in the Bible that when we preach, mm-hmm. I'm hesitant. Every preacher injects a little bit of an assumption. Well, into you, certain sermons at times. Yes. Because when you're saying like, well, this is why Elijah did this, or this is why Paul did this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an educated guess mm-hmm. through the lens of all of scripture, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so you're, but you're still in somewhat like. You can't erase your own personal experience and perspective from that. And you can't fully know what was in Paul's mind and heart no. when he said the things that he said. Mm-hmm. You can't know. Like, we're looking at Elijah this week. Mm-hmm. I, I've never had a conversation with Elijah. I wasn't there. So some of my, you know, ideas about his motives, mm-hmm. about why he was doing what he was doing, when he was doing it, and what he was trying to accomplish yeah. are rooted in some measure of uncertain assumption. Sure. But I think you have to be careful with that because when yes. that assumption moves you off the truth of scripture and right. it's like, well, the assumption is like Elijah mm-hmm. was just high on cocaine. Right. I mean, like that's going sideways. Sure. But, yeah. you know, that was a weird. Example. It was. <laughs> but, you know, we'll we'll roll with it. If if somebody is is listening to this podcast. They're like, why are we supposed to be talking about Romans? That's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you, uh, you can't, you can't anchor your belief in God around your assumptions right. in, in something that isn't clearly laid out. Right. And so, that you know, that's that's why you, that's, uh, you know, you could talk, like we said last time, like that's part of the beauty of meditative literature. Mm-hmm. It is designed yeah. for you to, um, you know, to hold up this, whether it's, I, I keep thinking of a vase in my hands, mm. where like I hold it up. And I see it in this one way, but what happens like if I turn the vase, like it's still the same vase, mm. but let's consider it from another angle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, I don't know, like, I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that you preaching it a different way or seeing it from a different perspective necessarily contradicts right. what, you know, what you preached 
right. before. For it was, sure. hey, let's just consider this from another perspective. Yeah. Let's just look at this from another angle. Right. Um, let's and see not, what we can learn from it's that. It's not shifting any no any major essential doctrinal truth. Right. It's like in the in the with the backdrop of essential doctrinal truth. Yeah. Both of these things could kind of be possible. Right. In in and what's happening here in the story and what God wants us to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So cool. Romans. So Romans. So I don't um, even remember where we left off last time. I'm assuming we left you did. Off at, you're the prepared at, one, remember? Sure. I'm the prepared one. Uh, we left off at Romans 8, where I just invited you to, Matt, yeah, yeah. preach to us from Romans 8. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. At one point, I do remember challenging you because you would say like, oh, and this reminds me of Romans 8. This re-, And I said, I think that you should make it a goal. Like, don't tell anybody that it is a goal. But that basically every sermon, like for an entire year, you always pull one scripture from Romans 8 oh, to support that. the message. Like I would, I hun- would love to see that I could happen. 100% do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, challenge. Okay. I, I was going to do it. I would it. I love I to see it. that. Um, yeah, because I, I definitely think that that's possible. So, uh, so yeah, we picked up at, uh, we're going to pick up at Romans 9 today. Okay. And... Full transparency. So I think that I took your notes. I mean, you can see it right here. This is my notes from the sermon that you preached okay. on Romans 9, 10, 11. Yeah. It's half of a page. Right, it is. Uh, it's not a lot. It's not, it's, it is not a lot. Okay. Uh, this is Romans 12. Okay. Uh, and so when I made the notes, even for this podcast, it wasn't lengthy. So I was like, what am I missing here? Because here's the deal. Romans 9, 10, and 11 are a big deal for a lot of people. 100%. And we had several conversations here in the office with our staff um, leading into this message. Um, Because here's the thing. Our church is a Wesleyan church plant, but we very much function uh, sort of from an, maybe from an outside view as like a non-denominational church. When people walk in, they don't walk in knowing like, oh, this is a Baptist church and they believe, you know, this, 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 and this about right. scripture. Like yeah. they don't have, honestly, they don't have any idea. Right. Um, yeah. And that's not because we want it to be like a gotcha or anything, no. but we we do believe that God's word speaks for itself. And we like, we want people to, right. we want people to enter into scripture yeah. and, and wrestle with it for and sure. learn together. Yeah. And, you know, based on what we've read in, um, or, well, we, we will get to it. Uh, what we read in uh, Romans like 13, 14, and 15, that there are going to be places where we disagree. And there are going to be places that, um, you know, you think you perceive Scripture in this way, I see it in this way, on these non-essential matters. And we have to learn to worship together. We have to learn to to be in unity. So um, all of that said, walking into 9, 10, and 11, there was a lot of hesitation, but then not hesitation in preaching it, but like, oh, I don't know whose feathers are going to get ruffled. Oh, I don't know like yeah. what, I don't know what people's preconceived notions around these theological debates are. Right. And um, so then I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, I didn't take a lot of notes. Well, you I know? think here, unless, <laughs> you know, Romans 9, 10, and 11 are especially Romans nine has been like the cornerstone of certain very rigid doctrinal positions throughout the history of the church. Yeah, because some of the language, see, you know, especially at face value, 
seem very, very hard to wrestle with when it talks about, well, who can resist God's will? Like that God has, you know, it's and it's very much led to some really deep theological debate uh-huh. and hard lines drawn by certain segments of Christianity over the years. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when we first announced that we were doing <laughs> Romans. Romans. Uh, one of the first messages I got was from a guy that said, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Romans 9. And those people, I would say probably 80, maybe was 90. Was it like a dare? Or was it a genuine like, well, oh, I can't wait to hear Well, from, you know? from from this person who he and I have had debates over multiple positions in our church, uh-huh. you being one of them. Uh, as in women. <laughs> you mean me being a woman? Yeah, so women in ministry and that kind of stuff. And uh-huh. I, we don't need to get in that debate here. You know where we stand as a church on that. If you have questions further about that, um, send them if you must. Uh, but, you know, it's and it's people who have deep, like more often than not, it's people who went to seminary. Mm. People who have studied theology, who have studied doctrine, especially people that went to specific seminaries that mm-hmm. have a very deep Calvinistic lean. Mm-hmm. And it's these, you know, kind of quick history lesson. Please. You know, the church is born eventually mm-hmm. around the time of Constantine. Mm-hmm. The, the the Roman Catholic Church ends up kind of developing out of that because he right. makes the official religion of Rome. Mm-hmm. And then the Roman Catholic Church is it grows and expands. And there's, there's all these things that are happening in that. There comes this point in the, the history of the Roman Catholic Church where Martin Luther sees so many things that are happening that don't align with Scripture. He writes 95 of those things down and mm-hmm. nails them to the doors of the cathedral, and the mm-hmm. Protestant Reformation is born. Mm-hmm. Protestant, protestant. Like right. protesting what is happening in the Roman Catholic Church. And then so you have kind of this one tree splitting off into two branches, and you have Roman Catholicism, and then you have Protestantism. Then eventually on that Protestant limb, mm-hmm. two branches break off that are from Jacob Arminian and mm-hmm. John Calvin. Mm-hmm. Arminianism was very much free will, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. like Holiness. Hum- yeah, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Well, Calvin had what's known as the Calvinistic tulip, T-U-L-I-P. And it was like the the pillars of Calvinism. And based on his interpretation of Scripture very much based on his interpretation of Romans 9. Mm -hmm. He develops this doctrinal position called the tulip, total depravity in that like every human is sinful and broken, which we agree. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it kind of gets into some some things that that I struggle with in the looking at the totality of Scripture. So T, total depravity. um, The U is the unconditional election that pretty much, you know, the way, and again, it comes down to semantics. And that's why when somebody says, do you believe blank? Mm-hmm. I always ask, well, what, what do, do you, you mean? mean by blank? Yeah. Because is it uh, the traditional? Is it a changed? But the unli- uh, unconditional election that basically God God picks who's going to heaven and who's not. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's already chosen. There's nothing you can do about it. The end. The end. He's, if he's either picked you or he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the limited, the L in Tulip is limited atonement, that not everybody gets picked, um, that there are only certain ones that get picked, mm-hmm. that um, I is irresistible grace. Like you can't, if he picks you, there's nothing you can do to resist it. Uh, and then P is the perseverance of the saints that like, you know, it's, you can't, you can't do it. You can't lose it and that kind of stuff. Um, and so 
That was kind of the Calvinistic tulip. And I didn't do a really good job explaining that. That's okay. I don't think. But uh, Wait, what was P? I'm taking notes. Um, perseverance of the saints. That like once you're picked, you, you, you're good. You'll hold on. Okay. You can't lose it. Kind of out of that is where we get some version of like eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Yeah, kind that of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so an Arminian was, was, had some alignment with that and some right. not so alignment with that. Right. And so that's the thing is that Arminianism and Calvinism aren't equal opposites. No. No, so they're not polar opposites. Yeah, they're for not sure. polar opposites. So don't hear, no. you know, that, oh, well, if, if you're not Calvinist, then you believe, you know, the would, equal and exact opposite. I would say if you kind of, if you look at a spectrum. Yeah. Um, on, on one end, you have uh, Calvinism, yeah, which kind of elevates the sovereignty of God to the point where I feel like it 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 begins to eliminate the responsibility of mankind. Uh-huh. And what I said in that message is, there's no question God is sovereignty is sovereign, right? But sovereign in that He knows all, He sees all, He does what He wants, independent of what humanity does, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you define sovereignty in a way that that eliminates all human responsibility, I don't know how you reconcile that with so much of Scripture. Right. Uh, even going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Right. Uh, but if you elevate human responsibility that kind of begins to dilute God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. that's also equally dangerous. Right. And in my opinion, that hardline Calvinism kind of swings way to that side of mm-hmm. overly reducing human responsibility. Right. Uh, then you have on the other end of that spectrum, not Arminianism, but more kind of universalism. Uh-huh. That everybody goes to heaven, doesn't matter really what you believe, right. you know, all religions are the same, all paths lead to God, mm-hmm. you know, do what, do you, be a good person, it's, God's going to choose us all, that kind of stuff. Right. And somewhere kind of in the middle of those things, for sure, is, and even in that universalism, it's kind of all up to you, it's all right. on you, it's that on kind you. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Arminianism, I wouldn't plan it in the middle, but it's... It's in between those in between spectrums. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It makes total sense. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, and again, the reason why I can't hardline Calvinism is there's just too much scripture that to allow me to do that. Right. Uh, and it's, it's, and to me that it comes back to things we say a lot. When you, when you build doctrine and theology on a handful of verses mm-hmm. and you let those handful of verses become become the lens through which you look at all the scripture it's it can create some things that i think are not quite accurate mm-hmm. uh and romans 9 is one of those because some of the things that that he says right um and and some of it is i want i wonder are we just kind of arguing over language semantics mm-hmm. you know we talk about god's sovereignty you know has he predestined meaning predetermined right. who is going to choose him and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing you can do. He chose you, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And, and Or he didn't. Or he didn't, so, sorry. so you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> right. Or is it predestined in, like, he predetermined that he would send Jesus. He predetermined that he'd make a way. Mm-hmm. And, pre, and it's less predetermined and more sovereign foreknowledge right. of, yeah, before you were ever born, God knew every day of your life. I 100% believe that. Yes. I believe that God did know. God's not just waiting on this to play out. Right. Like he, to see, he, let's just he see what happens. Sovereign. Um, but to, to, to put his sovereignty into place that turns hum- humanity into puppets on a string. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a way, if you move that sovereignty to the level that it makes God responsible for sin. Yeah. That's, that's heretical to me. 
That's yes. dangerous. That's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Because okay, if he if he's controlling everything in that, so every every good thing you do is because he's controlled you to do that. Mm-hmm. Then that means he's every- the author of evil. He's the author right. of sin. And so if we have if we have no responsibility in choosing him, but we have all responsibility in sinning, how do those things reconcile? Mm. Yeah, it's. I don't see. And how. I'm not. I'll be. I, I'm not an academic. Sure. I'm not a theologian. Right. I do feel a responsibility as a pastor of our church mm-hmm. to understand these concepts and be mm-hmm. able to have conversations about them and articulate why I don't fully align with certain things. And then in having conversations, and I have friends that are deeply Calvinist, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that in that lane, and we have right. really good conversations. And sometimes I'm like, dude, we're saying the same thing just in different ways. Yeah. Because it's it's like, well. You believe in God, not because you chose him, but because he chose you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. It's... Y- yeah. Well, and, you know, that a lot of that goes back to sort of the rub that I had in Romans 7, or Romans 6 of, is it 6 or 5? I mm-hmm. don't know. About, like, well, God, you, like, we're all sinful without choice, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. But you are, why don't you give us salvation without choice. Mm-hmm. Like, and a lot of it, um, you know, in that kind of came, I don't know, maybe alive in, in Romans nine, uh, in, in this message, because there was something that you said, and I don't even know if you said it in all three gatherings, you said it in the eight fifteen, and it was almost, uh, it wasn't a throwaway line, but it was as you were speaking and you were talking about what God desires, that God desires an authentic relationship mm. with us. Yeah. And I mean, and you, you see that in, in the first commandment and what Jesus says is the first, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. And love is not manipulated. God wants us to genuinely choose to love him and develop that love. And, right. and I don't see how that's possible. Do you notice the one thing he commands is the very thing you can't command? You can't command it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, can, you can tell Judah, who's your oldest, mm-hmm. you can tell him to clean. You can command him clean up your room. Right. Do clean up your room. Yeah. You can. There's a lot that you can demand that he do. Mm-hmm. But to say, Judah, love me. Yeah. Like genuinely from your heart with everything you have, love mm-hmm. me. Right. That's the one thing like you can command the appearance of love, mm-hmm. the acts that make you feel yeah. love. Come give me a hug. <laughs> but you can't make his <laughs> right. heart long for you. Right. And so just think about that. Yeah. And and how much like that God demonstrates his desire for us to choose him. Mm-hmm. But if he's already chosen himself for us and right. take and robbed us of that opportunity, yeah. then... Yeah. And because when I think about that God chose us, one... I 100% believe that God chose us. For you sure. You see it all through Scripture. Yes. Like, it was God's choice right. to dwell in the tabernacle. Yes. Like, God has continually chosen to dwell in the midst of sinful humanity. Right. He made himself available. He chose to put himself in that position. He chose to, to die on a cross. Like, he gave his son, like all of that was like God's act. We didn't demand God come down right. or command right. God to come down. Right. 
He offered it, but he said, in order for you to to be with me, yes, I am here. I have chosen to draw near to you. But he says, even James, draw near to me, and I draw to me. Yeah. And so, and there are these ways that we see all throughout, from Old Testament to New, the ways that God has made for His people to come to Him. Yeah. And so, well, and when I have this conversation, more often than not, what Calvinistic people tell me is, like, you just don't get it. Well, you can't land there. That can't be you, the you, final argument. You don't understand what we're saying. Um, and it's like, and that, but my point is, these are really important things. Mm. And if we say them wrong, and our, our language matters, and yeah. if we if we are, articulate a position in a way that leads us away from something very fundamental, mm-hmm. like we have to be. Language matters. These, right. kind of, these kind of conversations matter. And, you know, in that in that verse, you know, you see things like in, in Romans 9, 13, 6 mm-hmm. through 13 is when he's talking about, yes. like, how God worked. And, again, all of this in 9, 10, 11 is rooted in Paul's deep discouragement over the lostness of his people. Yeah. Like, it's through that lens mm-hmm. that you have to look at everything he's about to say. Right. Because he, he's so broken. He says, if he's, I could forfeit my salvation, right. that they might come, yes. I, would. I would. So th- this is not necessarily about Calvinism and Arminianism and predestination no. and all this kind of stuff. This That's is about— That's the funny thing. Like, when I read this, because I even told you today. Right. I, because I've gone back in preparation for, for this episode. I've gone back. I have reread 9, 10, and 11 so many times. I have read commentaries. I've read all the things. And I, I told Matt, I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know how this podcast is going to go because I read these chapters. And I'm like, I don't see what the big deal is. Well, you know, let, let, I'll show like some of the big deal. Okay. It's like verses like thir- 9, 13. Okay. As it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I've hated Esau. This, and, and people have leveraged that to see God, God, God picked Jacob and he rejected Esau. And that's evidence that God picks some and rejects others. Okay. But in the context of this story, you got to understand, like, number one, he's trying to say God never picks anybody based on their merit. Right. Like, what God does in this earth is not based on what we do. Yes. It's based on who he is and his will. Right. He made a promise, mm-hmm. and this is how it was going to come about. Mm-hmm. And in being true to his word, because God never lies. Right. God does what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. It had to come through. It, it yes. couldn't come through Ishmael and Sarah because he didn't make a, I mean, I mean, in, and, Hagar. Uh, and Hagar, he didn't make a promise between, he didn't say, Abraham, you and Hagar mm-hmm. will produce the nation. He said that to Sarah. Mm-hmm. And so like, it wasn't yeah. because he was rejecting Ishmael. It's because he was honoring his himself right in his promise mm-hmm. to Jacob and I mean to Abraham, to Abraham and Sarah mm-hmm. and so and even that word that hated is you see that language in scripture yes. like when Jesus says it's an idiom yeah it's an idiom mm-hmm. often used in ancient language right of comparison yes of like this is the way these things feel right and like when Jesus says if you're gonna come after me you gotta hate your parents you got to hate your life. He's not saying, like, go home and smack your mom. Like, he, that's not right. what he's saying. Because that would fly in the face of, of honor a your commandment. mother and mother. <laughs> yeah. And so, you, did I say father? I said mom, mother. <laughs> Let, let's just back, let's not say any more words there. <laughs> um, and so, like, that's my point, too, is, like, I, I don't know how this has gotten, I don't, I hesitate to use the word hijacked because that makes it sound like there was some evil intention. No, and that's right. not, that's not the thing at all. Um, 
and again, this is a debate that goes far beyond sure. our generation. Yes. Had between people that are way smarter than me. Mm. But to me, it's almost become a distraction from what Paul's really, really saying, saying here, here. That this has become nine, especially nine, Romans nine, has become more about leveraging it to debate the five points of Calvinism versus the position of Arminianism right. as opposed to Paul is, trying to say, like, the nation of Israel has missed it and I'm broken. Yeah. And just because they missed it doesn't mean God's not going to accomplish his will. Mm-hmm. Because, you know what, he, he, he wanted to do this through the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. In his foreknowledge, he knew that they would drop the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use other people. But God isn't using those people because they're good and Israel's bad. Right. Just like he wasn't picking Israel because they were good and the Gentiles yeah. were bad. He's he's trying to accomplish mm-hmm. the the redemption of humanity through his son Jesus. Right. And in order to do that, there were some things that had to happen mm-hmm. in on earth for that to be accomplished. Right. Well, and he uses 9, 10, and 11 to highlight that this was all foretold. That the exactly. prophets have been pointing to this yes. for, you know, hundreds of Centuries. years at this point. And that the, the the inclusion of the Gentiles was always going to be. I mean, from the very, the promise that God gave to Abraham that all nations would know God through him. Right. Or, uh, I mean, he brings up the, um, the passage from Hosea and that, you know, you— you who are, are not mine or called mine or however, what, hang on. I actually have the Bible here. Let me not um, mis, <laughs> misquote. Um, I will call not my people, my people, and mm. she who is unloved, beloved. And mm. it will be in the place where they were told, you are not my people. Mm. There they will be called sons of the living God. Mm. So, I mean, he, he points back and he says, look, this isn't what has happened shouldn't be surprising. Right. And he says, just like we knew that the Gentiles would be included in this, we also knew that it would only be a remnant of Israel that would see this. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he brings up all of these different uh, places from, uh, from Isaiah that, that point to that, that, you know, he says, it's just going to be a remnant that he says, um, again, this is Romans 9, uh, 27 through 29. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israelites is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be mm. saved since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on the earth. And just as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Mm. And, you know, so a lot of this is because remember, Romans very uniquely is written to Jews and Gentiles. Right. All of the other letters, I mean, outside of, you know, Paul writing to Timothy, which Timothy was, I guess, Jewish and Greek, right. um, that they were written to Gentiles. But this one, he's he's writing to a church that is divided and they're debating and arguing over, you know, Jews we we need to still follow these laws and we need to hold to these traditions. And then you also probably have these Jewish Christians who are wrestling with, but like my mom doesn't believe, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that's good. And, yeah. and did, did God fail her? Because she's kept the law forever, you right. know? Right. And so, 
Paul's trying to speak into that and to say like, one, don't let this make you doubt God right. and his goodness and the way that he is making. And, um, and yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think that when we use these few verses to try and to some degree successfully prop up some type of doctrine, it's, it's like you've, you've lost what Paul is really trying to say here. Yeah. You know, that we've developed whole structures of religion and belief around a few places in here. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see the problem. Yeah. I don't see the, like, there's not a, a rub. Yeah. For me. Well, again, it's where people, you know, they latch on to certain phrases. I mean, even like where it goes into Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. God, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. See, I got, God, God decides, God picks. But But even... you know, we, we've unpacked that several yeah. times about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart and the, the giving people. I mean, you go back to Romans 1 where it says he gave them over. Over. Mm-hmm. You know, and— Well, and so this even highlights what Paul had already said. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and for me, the biggest thing that says, like, okay, you know, when you move into Romans 10, mm-hmm. especially when he talks about, you know, like, how, I'm calling you to salvation. And right. I'm calling everyone. everyone. Well, why would, who Paul, believes. why would you call everyone to believe if, if God— if you believe, Paul, mm-hmm. that not not everyone has a shot. Right. That God's already decided who doesn't and, and, and who's in, who's out. Yeah. Again, God already knows. Mm-hmm. But you think about like Romans 10, 10. Mm-hmm. One believes with the heart, resulting of righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Mm-hmm. And then the Calvinistic response would be, well, you know, He's talking about everyone whom God has already decided and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And now let me say this. I don't okay. know if I unpacked it that that day. I do believe that you cannot come to Jesus without his active involvement in drawing you to himself. Yes, I agree. That, you know, Jesus said, you know, if I be lifted up, I will draw people unto me. That God is actively. Right. And that word comes back to that, that I have struggled with that irresistible grace. Mm. Um, that like once God comes after you, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, just because I think there's a lot of biblical examples mm. that show like, I mean, or how many times they say like, like God came after these people and they did like you, I read from Acts 28. Mm. Um, yeah, I wrote that down. Let's see if I can find it. Like to me, this says like God was pursuing these people, but they still rejected him. It's Acts 28, Paul's kind of ministering, speaking to you know, a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. And it says in verse 25, disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. There's that mm-hmm. hardening of the heart. Right. Their eyes are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And if they did, I would heal them. Right. That's showing like God's trying, yeah. wanting, desiring to bring them in. Mm-hmm. And their rejection of him is not because they aren't chosen. Yeah. It's because they have chosen to harden themselves, resist the leading of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and reject the gospel. Right. Yeah. So, but 
I know it's a lot more complicated. Sure. For some people. What makes it complicated? For pe- uh, upbringing. 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 Um, I mean, doctrine is indoctrinated. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and that's 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 part of. I'm debating whether or not I should say some things that I really want to say. We can always erase it, Matt. <laughs> but we never do. We never um, do. That's part of like you know some of my hesitation with like like seminary in our culture mm-hmm. is because a lot of seminaries are rooted deeply in are born out of these denominations hey. and these doctrines. And here's the thing. Um, we started this podcast talking about like our connection with the Wesleyan Church. Mm-hmm. Um, no denomination has got everything right. No. Uh, and that's the problem with our culture is we've dug our heels in and say, nope, we're right about everything and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's a really weird, dangerous, div- divisive mm-hmm. place. And, you know, there's, I'm kind of a hybrid, mm-hmm. you know, doctrinally. In that, yeah, there's some things that I I see in different denominations and different. I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's biblical. No, that's not. No, that. And so it's like this whole denominational structure to me is something that has been one of the biggest hindrances to the advancement of the gospel, in my humble opinion. Hmm. And it's not that there aren't really good things that come. Do not hear what I'm not saying. Right. It's not that there isn't really good things that come from it. It's not that that hasn't produced a level of accountability and mm-hmm. structure sure. and hierarchy that has been, that saved the church. Mm-hmm. And we say hierarchy, you mean like oversight. Oversight, like yeah. a hierarchy of like you answer to somebody who's gone further than you, who right. is the, that 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 system mm-hmm. in some ways is is necessary. We all need people to be accountable to. We all need people that are, we need checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've discovered that the more I've interacted with the denominations, it's less about that and more about, in you know, preserving doctrine. Mm-hmm. And there are certain... And preserving the denomination. The, yeah, the denominational positions on yeah. certain things. And, and some of those things are... I don't feel like I'm saying a lot of this well. There there are definitely some, the essentials that need to be protected. Yes. But what splits most denominations are not uh, a, a divergence of essentials. Mm-hmm. It's a splitting of non-essential things. Right. That's not always true. Sometimes it is essentials. Right. Because um, there are some denominations that are very essentially wrong. Yes. Fundamentally off. Right. But there are a lot that I'm like, man, if we really look at this domination, this domination, we got way more in common than we don't. Well, And, th- and so we're letting this handful of things keep us from like working together. And that's the big thing for me is I don't have, I don't have an issue with denominations of even, you know, and when we say division, I simply mean that we have people who believe, you, ha- you know, that we can baptize infants and you know sprinkle instead of you know full submersion right. you know that kind of thing um but that even within that you should still be unified in your cause for the gospel or and, even unified in the act of baptism and it's yes, necessary it's, it's okay do we believe that baptism is good and necessary right you know yeah and um so that all of those things should not keep us from from worshiping God with one unified heart 
in one unified mind. That doesn't mean in the same space. That doesn't mean that we've all landed in the same place in these non-essential things. Right. Um, but we don't, sometimes we're like, oh no, like we've got, we're the ones that got it right. They've got it wrong. We can't go worship with them because they're worshiping a false God. Like, yeah, that and, we and get it feels to that like point. the essential list in, in, in denominations is getting longer and longer. Hmm. That we're we're making things essential that, in my opinion, aren't. Yeah, well, so I, we're digging our heels in, and it's much more. And to me, it's it's a, a difference between we are trying to protect our preferences, mm. not our principles. Yeah, and I don't know how we get there. Of like, okay, we need to be very dogmatic about protecting the right principles. Mm -hmm. But we need to be more self-aware of the things that are much more rooted in preference than they are principle. Mm. And it feels like there's a cloud keeping people from seeing those, where that line Mm -hmm. is between preference and principle. Mm. Uh, And that's something that we're, we're all guilty of because I think there's a lot of people like, no, no, that's essential. Yeah. Like that's because that's super important. And the reason why it's essential because the Bible says this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like there's some people that deeply, you know, we have this conversation a lot because mm-hmm. of you. Like, <laughs> um, you know, there's some people that it's very essential. When he says you, you, he means me. Yeah. He's not um, talking about you there, all. Uh, it's, it's, it's essential that we don't let women teach because here's all the things that can break down when you do that. Right. And it's like, the, there's people that deeply believe that like this is this is an essential issue. Oh yeah. And I mean, even like you bring up sprinkling and, and immersion, you'd be surprised how many people that think that is that essential. is an essential issue. And here's why, and here's why, and here's why, and here's why. And for me, right. when it comes to baptism, it's much more about the motive than the method. Mm. The motive of the heart of the person mm-hmm. desiring to be baptized is to me elevated above the method in which we baptize them mm-hmm. because it's about the motive of a heart saying, I'm surrendered to Jesus. I'm washed clean. Mm-hmm. I want to go public with my faith. I want to, I want that symbolic gesture. That gesture of being, um, you know, But then there's some people that buried. believe if you're not baptized, you can't get into heaven. Right. Like it's a salvation thing. Yeah. That it's, and like, I don't know how we recon- reconcile that with scripture. Um, and I could give you several, like, places as to why sure um but yeah i mean it's Hmm. and and i'm in in the the older i get the less i like labels yeah maybe it's the rebel in me when you say like you don't have like like it's not that i have anything against denominations but in some ways i kind of do Hmm. um i wonder sometimes is the potential they have for good yeah Far less than the potential they have for bad. For destruction, yeah. Um, and I, I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying yeah. that they do. Don't sure. again. I'm not saying that they they have more potential for bad than good. But I do wonder that. I think and, it, I, and it if offers... I think if you did a case study over the years, mm-hmm. and and all right, what have been what have been the the negative aspects of this reality versus the positive aspects? And well, I, I think one thing is that denominations offer the uh, the possibility. And I mean, it's not just possibility, the certainty that the differences 
will be used to pit us against each other Mm. and divide the house from within. Mm. You know, so to me, I think that, again, I think it's fine to say like, okay, I don't prefer this or I don't see this or whatever, and to still be able to to worship together. Um, But to say, I think that it's a tool of the enemy. That that it has been leveraged, like that these divisions. That's the word. I think it's been leveraged by the enemy. It's been leveraged. That. Yes. I don't know. It's always been the intent of the people leading exactly. these things. But, but I don't. But then I think that you get so short sighted, yeah. and you get so internally focused within your denomination that you have either failed to see or even rejoice in being pitted against another denomination. And unknowingly, you've drawn a circle. Hmm. And put a boundary up. Yeah. And who's in and who's who's not. Yeah. And how often are you willing to lift the rope? Yeah. And let people come under. Mm-hmm. And how are you willing to lift the rope and you <laughs> walk out? Yeah. And to go into some other territory. Um, which is, you know, this weekend we had Brad Thomas here. He's yeah. from he's from Church of God. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the denomination I grew up in. And mm-hmm. there's some things about some that that are different yeah. than than I'm used to. Um but like that doesn't matter to me, you know. Like it's mm-hmm. it's, and that's for me. Like I've, I don't want to be Wesleyan. I don't want to be Baptist. I don't want to be Methodist. I don't want to be Lutheran. And it's not because I have issues with any of those. I just, that's not my goal. I want to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to be biblical. I want every position <laughs> that we take, everything that we say, yeah. to be absolutely rooted in the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's not that it's not that those those sure. people don't. Right. I just don't, I don't want that to be a distraction. Hmm. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to be a good Wesleyan. I want to be a good follower of Jesus. Yeah. And it's not that good Wesleyans aren't good followers of Jesus. Exactly. Or good Baptists aren't good followers right. of Jesus or good whatever aren't followers of Jesus. Um, I don't know, man. My heart for our our communities and our churches is to work together. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about that yes. at our church recently, to be co-laborers. And I think that denominational loyalty over Christ's supremacy becomes a hindrance to our willingness to co-labor with people, sometimes overtly and sometimes like subconsciously. Mm. Um, And, you know, when we get to heaven— there's not going to be a section for the Baptists and a section for the Methodists and a section for all these different people. No. You know, there's it's not going to matter. And if we're about his kingdom on earth, if it doesn't matter in heaven, if it doesn't matter in the kingdom to come, should it matter in the king in in the here and now? Yeah. Well, it, when you think about, you know, using that that language, and you think about when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and he prayed, you know, that uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not And as it is in heaven is not. It's not. And so when we're 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 praying that and we're asking God, let it be on earth as it is in heaven, but then we're actively working to make it not like heaven as it is on earth. And let me say this. I'm not saying in order for us to work together we have to abandon our abandon denominations. Our Correct. Things. But you're yeah. Because I've seen it happen. In the community we were in South Carolina, we did a lot of stuff together. Asking, but yeah, um, so it, it's not like oh well, in order to do what Matt's saying, then we all have to change our names, mm-hmm. 
reject our affiliation, walk away from our camps, do all that and kind of build stuff. all non-denominational. So, churches. if you're listening to this, and I hope you stayed with me to it, that yeah. is not what I'm saying. Yeah. That in order for us to co-labor together, we must lay down our denominations. That is not what I'm saying. Right. What I'm asking is, what I'm wondering in my own spirit mm-hmm. is. Are those labels, have those labels, have those titles, have those affiliations become a hindrance to our ability to co-labor at times Mm -hmm. and own that? And if the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. then what do we need to do to overcome that more intentionally? Yeah. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because I don't want people to hear like, well, the only way that we can ever work together is just for just destroy every denomination. Right. Um, Although I think the writing is on the wall where you're seeing those things beginning to shift Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Um, but my thing would be if if that was the case, mm-hmm. if the best way for us to work together was to to see a shift in that. Right. Are we willing to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good soul-searching kind of question. And, you know, I don't know who listens to this podcast. <laughs> I really don't. Um, Maybe less after today. <laughs> sure. You know, I don't know if it's largely people within our church, because this is through the Vintage Church podcast that, you know, this is where people hear the messages and the teachings from Sunday mornings. And so I don't know if this is other people outside of our church who are listening or if it's largely inside. Um, But either way, kind of that that self-reflection of, you know, do I... um, Do I pause? Do I hesitate? Do I completely reject the idea of you know, co-laboring with XYZ church because they have a woman pastor, because they baptize infants, because they, you know, whatever it is. um, And And everybody has the right to decide what's a deal breaker for them. Yeah, sure. But. Yeah. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. And that could be another whole conversation. Just about, Matt, how do you? Okay, I'm going to, all right. How much time we got here? About 10 minutes. Okay. Okay, then let's go here because we don't have time then to get into no, we Romans don't. 12. Okay. How do we go about discerning, knowing what is essential and what is non-essential? Because we've used that language a lot. Yeah. So how do we, how do we say like, okay, because there are things that we hold essential that someone else does not, or vice versa. So what? I'm not sure I'm going to answer it. Okay. Like people would want, okay. or as well as I should. Sure. Um, number one, there is. If you go to YouTube, go to Twelve Stone, Twelve yeah. Stone Church. They have a 90 minute theology video done by two of their pastors that leans into a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And both those guys are smarter than me. And it's visual, and they write it out, and it's really, really good. Okay. Um, number two. Wait, is, say that again, slowly. What is the name of the, the If you church? go to like mm-hmm. the 12 Stone, go to YouTube and just uh, find the 12 Stone Church YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And in that search box on their YouTube channel, just type in theology. And there's a 90-minute theology talk that, that two of their, their lead pastor, Kevin Myers, and now their co-lead pastor, um, Jason Berry, have a really good conversation about these things in okay. a way that unpacks the Calvinistic tulip and all these different things. Okay. But when you say what is essential— Yeah. Um, for me is the things that are universal rules without exception. Okay. And those are the things that from Genesis to Revelation, it is super clear. There's no room for gray. Mm-hmm. That is, it is, it is a, a standard, a position, a thing that God says all throughout. Okay. 
That makes sense. It does. And there, but even people I know are gonna be like, well, this this it's it, people are gonna take that and make a longer list than maybe I would. Really? Of those, sure. Without having any gray. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And again, it comes back to. Does it come back to interpretation right. and like translation? Sure. I think more interpretation than translation. Yeah. Um, but like you know, there's things that you can see from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. Like nobody can argue that like, and maybe this is not a doctrinal position, but just overall, lying is sinful. Mm-hmm. From Genesis, Genesis to Revelation, Revelation, there's no way that you can argue that, you know. Um, but then to me, essential uh, marriage and sexuality mm-hmm. are essential positions. I agree. And the reason why is because for me, from Genesis to Revelation, there's an essential, there is a, a universal, unwavering position that I see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, without exception. Without exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, those, for, those are the essential things mm-hmm. for me. And as leader of our church, they will be the essential things for our church. Mm-hmm. Because there are right, Genesis to Revelation, there's no question, there's no room for, for things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, what would be a non-essential thing would be what we've referenced several times mm-hmm. is is women in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 you don't agree, I understand why you don't agree mm-hmm. because there's some things there's that are some strong language that's used. But there's yeah. some things and other things in scripture that you have to wrestle with. That mm-hmm. there's no way that you can say from Genesis to Re- Revelation it completely forbids women's involvement in ministry and leadership actively in the will of God mm-hmm. in His body in His church. There's just no way. And so like right. that's. That's not an essential for me. Like, and when I say not essential, it's like I'm not, I'm not gonna get mad at you if you if you land in that position. Right. This is our position. We're not changing it. If that's a deal breaker for you, it's a deal breaker. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and you know, especially the things around, uh, you know, salvation, mm-hmm. the divinity of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, the Trinity. Yep. You know, again, things that are woven. Th- it's essential. That is, if if you if you pull this card, mm-hmm. the whole thing begins to fall. Mm. Yeah. Like it's essential in like, okay, this is a thread that when you start pulling, it begins to unravel. Yeah. Yeah. And. I mean, there are some people who think the women in ministry thing is a, right. a slippery slope. And that's slope. why I say it's a hard yeah. question to answer. Yeah. Because for, for a lot of people. My definition of essential will create different essential things than I would consider essential. Yeah. Hmm. And that's why this thing is so difficult. And that's why we have to have a lot of grace. Yeah. We have to also have a lot of humility. Mm. I think a lot of this is rooted in arrogance. Yeah. I'm right. I'm the be all end all. I've cornered the market. Mm -hmm. I know I've gotten God right. And you've gotten him wrong. And like, number one, like, dude, do you think, (laughs) do you think that number one, (laughs) I deeply believe in scripture. I believe it is outside the person of Jesus. It is God's revelation to us. Yeah. But I believe that the Bible does not tell us everything there is to know about God because it cannot, because God is so deep and so beyond. Yeah. Not just in, you can't put it in a book, your little teeny human brain. It can't fit in your brain. Can't fathom it. That's what makes him God and you not God. Yeah. If you could explain God, he would no longer be God. Mm -hmm. If you could understand on this earth, at least, all there is to understand about the vastness. And, and that's why even like trying to think about how these things coexist. Like, I, like that's why when we read Romans 9, it's hard for us to think about God as sovereign and us having responsibility somehow 
coexisting. Like, how can, mm-hmm. wait a minute, either he's sovereign or we're responsible. It can't be both. Can't and be. that's the way a lot of people land in where they land. But, yeah, in your human understanding of right. all this, it's hard for some of these things to coexist. Mm-hmm. You know, how can joy and pain coexist? How can, but it's it's so far beyond. But did that answer your question about essential? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, it, it raises more questions because here, me and my, my planning preparedness <laughs> list making self, you know, I want to say, okay, these are the essential things. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Right. You know, uh, and and I see where, you know, just like there has to be humility, I think, you know, you also have to have charity for others. Because, yeah. you know, there are people who and I know have left our church because I do what I do and I'm called what I'm called. And um, I don't think poorly of them. Yeah. I don't think, I don't well, look at them and think like, you've missed the boat. You know, it's yeah. like. I, and I mean, I've, I was raised in a Baptist church. Okay. And I know that there are good, for sure, God fearing, God honoring, loving, kind people who are saved and I will rejoice with in heaven who don't think that I should be doing what I'm doing and who wouldn't come to my church. I don't think less of them or more and of who me actually wrestle with it. that position because yes. like I don't I, I feel like I have to believe this and not necessarily that I want to believe this. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that along with humility, there is that that charity mm-hmm. for others um, that and and not from a charity doesn't come from a place of arrogance yeah. or a place of a higher position. It, it's just. But I think that's the scary part. It is. Is is. <laughs> Will I make something essential that's not essential, or will I fail to make something essential that yeah. is essential? Mm-hmm. And so I know that when you said when when we have this conversation of non-essential and mm-hmm. essential, that that's easy to say. Sure. But walking that out in practicality, mm-hmm. and deciding where we land as a church mm-hmm. and what is essential and what's not essential. Yeah. And 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 I'll have this conversation. Like people call me all the time. What is the church's position on such and such? Right. I'm not afraid to say we don't have one. What? Yeah. We don't have one. I, I can. You don't. You don't have an opinion on this. I've got an that's opinion. That's a different question. Yeah. That's that's not the same question. Correct. What do I believe about this? And and we'll even say like to me, like, I don't know that all of our staff believes everything about everything the exact same way. Right. Um. But some some of it does come down to personal conviction. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and again, we'll get into that in Romans yes. later. This that difference between like that that exercising personal conviction and and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, and even even as we're sitting here talking, like part of it is like we need grace in this conversation because there's somebody listening to this that's already ticked off. Yeah. About something I said or you said or we didn't say or the way we poorly worded something or whatever. Yeah. And that's the problem too, is we live in a culture that's easily offended and quick to walk away mm-hmm. that isn't mm. willing to embrace conversations or conflict um you know and, and i've had people sit down with me and and i love it when people say matt like i've heard you say this from in a sermon or i think the church's position about this can we sit down and we sit down and sometimes it's like oh dude i, I heard you wrong matt like that's not right. what i thought you believed at all mm. and that's the hard thing about what we do Oh, yeah. Is so often people don't get to talk back. They just get to get ticked off and leave. Mm-hmm. And you never know. 
Yeah. And then you hear two years later, yeah, Matt said this. I'm like, what? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. What I said and what you heard, not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you, you fell asleep during the message and you woke up and you just caught that out of context. And it's like, yeah. And dude, I wish you'd have came and talked to me because I could have clarified. Because they'll say, D- did you mean? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't mean that. Right. Or, yeah, I did mean that. This is exactly what I said. And, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, I never realized. I never thought of it like that before. Mm-hmm. And like, here's 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 the scriptural reasons why I said that and that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah. And sometimes it's like, I see what you're saying, but I still don't agree. It's like, okay, I still love you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can go to your church anymore. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I, I get it. I understand. Like, I, yeah. like, I don't, if that if that is something that you feel like you, that is just, again, that deal breaker. Right. That essential thing that you just can't align with for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, and, and you can say if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm pretty, I don't do anything haphazardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not. So, you know, Matt, he kind of started out this podcast saying like, you know, I like to be spontaneous and see what happens. But you're right. That's not out of carelessness or haphazardness or, you know, let's just take every risk in the world. There is a lot of care and thought and intentionality 100%. behind all of it. You're just sort of open-handed with how it plays out. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, but it's, it's no, so I can like, absolutely I'm not, affirm that. You know, I don't, I don't, as a communicator, you're always wondering, did I say it right? Yeah. Or no, did I say it well and did they hear it right? Mm. <laughs> because both, one is on me, the other one is on you. Right. Yeah, it's on me to say it well, mm-hmm. but it's also on you to hear it right. Mm-hmm. And you can say it well and not hear it right. Mm-hmm. And you can say it poorly and hear it just the way it came out, you know? Exactly. Um. Anyway. Well, and I guess, you know, kind of to put a bow on that is if you have made it to the end of the podcast and, you know, you do hear something that any of us right. say from the platform, whether Reach it's out. Matt, me, a worship leader, and you're like, hey. Or in a community group. Community or in group. A conversation yes. in the lobby. Oh, or- my gosh. Come to us and say, hey, I heard this. I think you mean this. Right. Is that, did I hear that right? Right. Don't ever be afraid to have a conversation. Absolutely not. Um, we invite that. We 100%. welcome that. I know that it might seem like in a church well, our size that we are, are are unavailable. Even when I preach this message, do you remember what I said at the end of every gathering? M-A-T-T at VintageChurch.net or I'll be standing down here at the front. I said if anything I've said today <laughs> yeah. has created frustration or anger or misunderstanding, mm-hmm. I invite those questions. I said it when we preached Romans 1 and, and yep. moved in the sexuality space. Mm-hmm. I said it at the end of this message, like, hey, if anything just didn't make sense, yeah. or you were thinking, like, dude, that ain't right, mm-hmm. let's have a conversation. Yeah. Because um, that's, that's the other thing I've seen my whole life in church is— You don't question the pastor. People, people will just leave. Yeah. And they won't have conversations. Mm. They, won't, they won't just talk. And, and, like, I would say in my life, 80% of the people that left the church, if they would have just talked, mm-hmm. if they would just had a conversation yeah. and offered— Clarity and grace. Mm. They wouldn't been, but that's why people, a lot of times in their lifetimes, I'd love to know that. We need to research that. Okay. In somebody's lifetime, how many different churches does the average person attend? I have tried to look this up. Yeah. I cannot find it because I've thought, um, well, it was when I- I think Barna would have. I did. And I looked through Barna because when I 
um, preached Romans 15 and talked about like endurance and stuff, one of the things that kind of um, got my head spinning was we're not an enduring people. No. We're not. Whether it's marriage or schools or jobs or churches, we're not a people who are willing to, yeah, we walk away, we burn the bridge, we start over. Um, We always take ourselves with us, you know, (laughs) probably the thing that was the problem. Um, And because I thought that would be interesting to know because you can find out like how many jobs someone is likely to have, mm. how many different careers, mm-hmm. how many um, how many different homes someone will live in. All of those things, like I found statistics around all of it, but I was very interested to know how many churches yeah. will people attend or how long do will people they stay tend before to they stay. Go? Yeah. I, it was nowhere, and I looked in earnest, and I could not find it. Interesting. Yeah. So... Barna, if you're listening, um, you know, <laughs> or David, Tom Rainer. Hey, That'd be a good David, David Kinneman, um, I need you to get yeah. on that for me. Thanks. Well, guys, we hope that this conversation has been helpful, has been, effic- been beneficial. Once again, it went in directions unexpected, but in a really good way. Um, I, I love this this medium. I love podcasts. I love conversations because sometimes, conver- you know, sermons, as much as I love to preach, I understand the limit that preaching has in helping to grow our faith in so many ways. But as you are walking with us through Romans Revisited and grateful for the conversation that Leaning Back into Romans 9 has sparked today, we'd love to hear from you guys. Number one, if you've yet to rate the Vintage Church Podcast on whatever platform you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is, jump in there and please give us a five-star rating. If you don't feel like you can do that, let us know why before you rate us because we would love to have that conversation. And as always, you can email us directly. You've heard our, it's any, it's just all of our first names then at vintagechurch.net if you're looking to reach out to any of our staff. And you can also hit the respond tab on the Vintage Church app and that would re, that would get to us as well. And if you do, someone will follow up with you. But thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later. Have a great week.